Uh, turn to John chapter 15. Last week we began a series called What We Need. And uh, today we're looking at what we need is love. What we need is love. Now, I don't really have to explain that too much. Uh, I could sing a song or two about it. What the world needs now is love. Yeah. And what the world needs now, I mean, no matter, no matter what songwriter has written songs, most of them have written songs about needing love. And, and uh, from, from uh, uh, some of the uh, songs that I grew up with, talking about love and looking for love in all the wrong places and looking for love in too many faces, you know, I could sing that song, but I won't. Uh, to, to, to songs like, uh, the closer you get, the further I fall. Uh, songs, songs that uh, speak of love, sweet love. And, and even, even displayed and portrayed in, in the culture and the, and the cultural expressions of every generation. This is something that, that is not limited to the now generation, but it's also part of the yesterday generation, generations that have gone before. If you are living today, you understand the need for love. It is a universal need. And in John chapter 15, Jesus gives us insight into the answer to that need. Ultimately, finally, and again, I try not to trick y'all. I don't want to do a bait and switch, but here's what, here's what the big picture of this passage is. Jesus satisfies us with all the love we need. Jesus satisfies us with all the love we will ever need. Uh, if you are anything at all like me, a living, breathing human being, you understand that you need love. You need to know love and to be loved and to love others. It's how we are designed. What we may not recognize is that we are starving for love because we really are looking for love in the wrong place. We're looking for love in partial form. We're looking for love in temporary form places, when in reality, Jesus has promised to satisfy us completely, regardless our circumstance, regardless our relationship, good or bad, Jesus promises to satisfy us with all the love we need. He promises to satisfy us with all the love we need, regardless of our looks, regardless of our works, regardless of the approval that certain people give or don't give, He promises to satisfy us with all the love we need. We see this come through in John chapter 15, and we're going to do this, uh, I'm going to do this message a little bit differently today. I'm going to look at some of the verses, and, and then we're going to look at some application but I wanted to kind of give you the, the, the way the passage moves. I, I want you to try to see the framework that, uh, that Jesus gives as he gives this teaching. 
to his disciples. Um, so if you, if you are okay with this, or if you're on uh, your Bible app, on your uh, iPad or iPhone or smart device or something like that, um, in, in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, you might draw a, a brackets around verses 1 through 8, because that's one section. And then uh, draw another box around verses 9 through 17. And that's the two divisions of, uh, of, of John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. 1 through 8 and then 9 through 17. In verses 1 through 8, Jesus gives the framework for how life works. He, he, gives, he gives the framework on how to be satisfied, how to have your soul nourished in this life. That's verses 1 through 8. Verses 9 through 17, he fills in that framework with his teaching on love. So he begins by saying, this is how to be satisfied in life. And then in verses 9 through 17, he says, this is how it works with love. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down these, these two sections. And then at the end, we're going to have some application points uh, that relate to us in specific. Um, so the very first thing Jesus does is he, uh, he, he says, um, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. I lost my place, so I've got to catch it. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Uh, Jesus is, is beginning this teaching by talking about himself as the vine. In a minute, he's going to talk about his followers as the branches. So the picture he's painting is this big vine and followers of Christ as connected to Jesus as branches. Well, if you're here today and, and you want life, Jesus is saying, first of all, you got to get connected to the vine. If you're not connected to the vine, you will have no life. The, the, the key to satisfaction in life as well as in love is our connection to Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The key to our satisfaction in life and love is our connection with Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser, he's saying, he's saying I'm the true source, the unique source, the only source from which you can flourish in this life. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. The, the picture of God being the vine dresser, we're going to see that God prunes and he plants and he plows and he, and he provides and he protects the, the vine and the branches. The, the father is the vine dresser, the one who takes care of this life, of our life. And, and just a quick word about that. Do you realize that God, for, him, for his own glory, because it's who he is, God is working today for you to flourish. God is working today in your life, through the circumstances in your life, both the good ones and the bad ones. He's working through your relationships, both the, the positive side of your relationships and the negative side of your relationships. God is working through your life so that you might flourish, 
so that you might be satisfied in Christ, so that you might flourish, so that you might be productive, so that you might produce fruit. Let's, let's look at verses 2 and 3. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Verse 2, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Let's stop right there. Um, different ideas about what that, that phrase means. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Um, don't have time to deal with all of that, but, but here's what I think he's talking about. There are people who look like they're followers of Jesus. But if, a follower of, if someone who looks like they're a follower of Jesus does not produce fruit that God has designed, then he really is not a follower of Jesus. Now, you may be a member of a church, but you're not a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus is going to produce fruit. It's who we are. If, if I'm an apple tree, I'm going to produce apples. apples. Y'all got that right quick. Yeah, just, well, it, it, the, the picture of us as followers of Christ, we're going to produce fruit. And if I am not producing fruit, then I am not a follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're going to produce perfectly. It doesn't mean that we're going to produce a ton, but it, it means that we will produce fruit. And the fruit that we produce is similar to what Jesus produced in his relationships, in his life, in his attitude, in his actions, in his desire for God's honor and fame, in his obedience, in his joy, in his, in his uh, mission. All of those things are aspects of fruit. But in this passage, the primary fruit that we look at is love. Guys, can I tell you, if you are not loving others the way Jesus has loved you, you need to evaluate whether or not you're really a follower of Jesus. Can I say that again? I'm not talking about love the way you feel. I'm talking about love others the way Jesus has loved you. If you withhold grace and forgiveness and mercy. And you say, well, it's just not my personality to give grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Please don't say that because that means you're not a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus gives us a new heart that reflects him. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect in giving grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Please understand, I, I sometimes struggle, receive, I mean, giving uh, grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Have a hard time receiving it, too. Um, but, but if we're not loving people the way Jesus loved us, then we need to really evaluate whether we are connected to the vine at all. And that ought to scare some of us in the room today. But that's for another sermon. All right, so, so Jesus says uh, that the Father, any branch in me that does not pr produce fruit, the Father removes. And those that do produce fruit, still verse 2, those that do produce fruit, he prunes so they would be more productive. And we'll talk about pruning in a second, but sim simply this. In, in my front yard, when we moved into our house, I planted uh, uh, some, some white crepe myrtles. And they were little old bitty plants, but I, I planted them for two reasons. Number one, I knew that they would grow, and they would grow well, and that they're kind of purdy. And so I planted them, and sure enough, they grow, and they've grown well. But the problem about crepe myrtles is if you don't prune them, they get crazy. I mean, get wild and crazy. So if you were to go to my house today, I don't recommend it, but if you were, 
If you were to go to my house today and you were to drive by my house, you would see crepe myrtles doing this <laughs> because they haven't been pruned. They're out of control. Um, so what the Father says is God's working in our life to prune certain aspects of our life so that we are more in tune with Him, so that, so that we are more fruitful for His glory. All right, so that's, that's verse 2. Verse 3, he goes on and he says, uh, he says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch can't bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Uh, uh, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. I've already said that. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. All right, so as we look at this, there's, there's one key aspect of a satisfied life. And I've said this, our, the key to being satisfied in life and in love is our connection with Jesus Christ. Now, as a follower of Christ, if I'm part of, if I'm a branch connected to the true vine who is Jesus, the question then comes, well, why as a follower of Jesus am I so dissatisfied? Why am I so miserable? Why am I so uh, um, bitter? Why, why am I so angry? Why am I angry all the time? What, what's wrong with me that I feel so unloved and I'm, I'm feeling so unlovable and unloved? And, and don't want to really love too many people. What's wrong with me? And, and, and you, you look and you do the inventory in your life and you say, well, I am a follower of Jesus. I have produced fruit before. Not much right now, but I have produced fruit. But today I'm not. Today I, 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 there's just this disconnect. What's wrong with me? I brought a visual. Uh, again, Edie's out of town. Uh, but I had to ask her, and she said I could use this visual. Uh, this is not a beach ball. This is, do you all know what this is? It's an it's a exercise ball. And uh, it's, it's uh, supposed to help you with your core. That means you're supposed to do sit-ups on this thing. You're supposed to you know, you put your feet on there and do push-ups and and do all kinds of things. And it's supposed to help you strengthen your core and therefore get stronger. Well, we've had this particular exercise ball um, for about seven years in our room. Now, it has occupied different places in our room for those seven years. At times, it's under the table where, uh, by the side where Edie sleeps. Uh, sometimes it's over on a couch up in our room over here. Sometimes it's on the back wall uh, between uh, the two uh, dressers. Sometimes, and this is where I found it uh, this week, it's on the rocking chair. It move, And sometimes it's in the closet. It, it moves different places. But we keep it in the room. It's always in the room. I don't remember when it's not been in the room. But just because it's in the room 
and available doesn't mean that I'm getting any kind of benefit from this exercise ball. For me to gain benefit from this exercise ball, I have to actually abide with the exercise ball. I have to actually get some use out of it. When Jesus said, abide in me and I in you, he was saying a couple of things. First, he's saying, I'm here. You're my follower. I love you. I'm here. I'm right here waiting. And as followers of Christ, we see him. And we know him. But we walk right on past him. Abiding with him means that we sink our roots down into him. It means that we make our home with him. It means that we connect with him. It means that our heart connects with his heart. It means that, that, that we understand that if I'm going to be satisfied in life and in love, I've got to connect with Jesus today and tomorrow. And the next day, yet for many of us, Jesus is just a good decoration in our life. And we haven't connected with him in some time. And that's why you're so dissatisfied. That's why you're so bitter. That's why you're so mean. And that... That's why you're so miserable. I know it's easier to blame other people for your misery or your bitterness or your anger. And I understand, I understand full well that that there are situations and relationships that can that can make us angry and that can that can uh, cause us to to be distressed, but can I just tell you the answer to every circumstance and every relationship that would cause that the way you can be satisfied in life and love in spite of those circumstances and in spite of those relationships when you prioritize your connection with Jesus Christ. It all begins with Him. Until you and I make our connection with Jesus a priority where we hear His words and His words abide in us. Where His his heart becomes our heart. Until we begin to see that Jesus and only Jesus will satisfy us. Until we do that, then we're going to live dissatisfied, even as followers of Jesus. That's why in verse 9, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. You abide in my love when you obey my commandments. These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You know what Jesus was saying? He's saying, listen, I want you to have joy in your everyday life. I want you to have joy in your heart and in your soul. I want you to have a a, a happy dance going on inside of you all the time. But the only way that's going to happen is if you and I are abiding in Jesus and in his love. 
In fact, let, let's just move on to the application. The first application point is if we're going to be satisfied, if we're going to taste the full measure of life and love, then we need to make our home in Christ and His, and his love. We need to make our home in Christ and in His love. Abide in Christ. Abide in His love. I, I know that many of us, all of us at different times, we get so uh, confounded by circumstances or, or what people do or what people say. And I feel that. I do. I feel that. But Jesus promised us a satisfied life and satisfying love in spite of that, beyond that. But we've got to make him our priority. And just cut through it just for a second. Can I just say, the reason so many of us have such withered hearts and souls is because we aren't connecting with Jesus as a priority of our daily life. Listen. Until you and I do that, we're going to be miserable. And the more misery we let pile up in our heart, the more bitter we're going to be. And the more we allow bitterness to pile up in our heart, the meaner we're going to be. See, we've got to stop blaming everyone else for our lack of satisfaction. Do you know what John 15 tells us? John 15 tells us that Jesus gives us all we need to have a satisfied life and a satisfying love. Can I just tell you that the reason we are so dissatisfied, the reason we have a withered soul is not because of him or her or that or this, but it's because of us. There's absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that? So why is it that we don't feel his love? Well, nothing can separate us. Neither height, nor depth, nor width, nor uh, uh, things present, nor things to come, nor principalities, nor powers. Nor... So why is it that we don't feel that love? Can I just suggest that maybe, just maybe, it's because we haven't made a priority out of abiding in Christ and in his love. We don't make our home in Christ. We don't wake up every morning with a passion to meet with Jesus. Why? Well, because we don't think it's important. We don't think it's important because we've missed out on the way life works. You want to be loved? You want to love others? It all begins with Jesus. We fail to make our home with Jesus as followers of Christ because maybe we're guilt. We feel guilty. So we avoid the relationship. You know, when you when you do something that, that brings displeasure in a relationship, sometimes you try to avoid that relationship. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever did that? It's it, you know, if I, I did if I did something my mom or dad didn't want me to do, then I would stay a little bit longer at school or, you know, outside. And, you know, I didn't want to have that dinner table conversation. 
Now, the same thing is true in our relationship with God. We'll, we'll, we'll do something that is displeasing to Christ. Because of our guilt, we, we fail to connect with him every day. We just stop. We stop that journey. Do you realize that Jesus, he's there. He's ready. He's waiting. He, he longs to cover you in his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. But you've got and I've got to take that step. Move beyond my guilt and abide. Sometimes we don't abide because um, we're just lazy. I just don't want to take time to do that today. We wonder why we're so miserable. No, we take time to do the things that we really want to do. I mean, we'll take time to surf the internet and, and stalk people on Facebook. We'll take time to, to, uh, uh, to, to, to go play a golf game or, or to uh, 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 watch a television show. And, and, and we'll take time to do all those things, but we say we don't have time to spend with Jesus. Friends, we don't have time not to spend with Jesus. You want to you feel love? You want to be filled up and overflowing with love? You better spend time with Jesus. Which leads to the second application is if we're going to be satisfied in life and love, not only should we make our home uh, in Christ and His love, but we need to cut away all conflicting affections. And this is the pruning thing. See, not all those affections are bad affections, by the way. They just distract us from Jesus as our greatest affection. See, if, if we're going to taste life and love in all of its fullness, then, then we need to, to allow God to prune us. Some of you are here in this room today, and you love... I, say it this way. If you are behaving in a way that is disobedient to Christ, it's because you have an affection, a love, for something that you love more than Him. Anytime you give yourself an excuse to do something that is disobedient to Christ, it's because you are in love with something more than Him. So what is that something? What's that something in your life? Don't, 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 don't blame the world. Guys, it's not Obama's fault that you're so dissatisfied. I didn't hear a preach it, brother. You like to point your fingers at people and things and stuff. And I get it. I understand. It's an easy out. But if you are dissatisfied in life and in love, stop blaming everybody else and allow God by his grace to cut away those conflicting affections. And Jesus said he's going to prune some stuff. The Father works to prune us so that we would grow in life and in love. The last application, and, and this is verses 12 through 17, but the last application is we got to share his love. 
Oh, we need to share his love. Look at verse 12. He says, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. No greater love is anyone than this than one lay down on his life for his friends. I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends, Jesus said. Look, Jesus, Jesus begins in verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, that's a beautiful process. Here's what happens. God sent uh, his love to his son, Jesus. And Jesus received that love. And that love flowed to Jesus, but it also flowed through Jesus. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said, I have also loved you. So you and I are the recipients of this wonderful love. The love of the Father flowed to the Son, through the Son, to us. And for many of us, that's exactly where it stops, with us. Can I suggest that the reason you are so dissatisfied with life and with love is because you are not following the process that Jesus describes? Not only are we to receive the love that flowed from the Father to the Son, through the Son, to us, but we're also to share that love with others. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? Well, he laid down his life for us. Verses 15 and 16, he chose us. He appointed us to go and bear fruit. And Jesus gave himself in sacrificial service to love us, to pick us, to pour life into us, to be available to us, to intercede for us. Jesus has loved us the way the Father has loved him, but have we loved others the way Jesus has loved us? I've got to come down a little bit on this one. See, the question is not, have I loved others the way I feel like loving others? That's not the question. That's not the model. The question is not, have I loved others in a way that I think they deserve? It's not the model. It's not the picture. The question is not, have I loved others in a way that makes me feel good about myself, but is something significantly less than what Jesus... See, the model for us, the question we need to ask, are you loving me the way Jesus loved you? Right now, everybody's looking at me because I'm the preacher dude, but ask yourself that. Are you loving me the way Jesus has loved you? Not the way you feel. Not the way you've rationalized. Not the way you think I deserve. Are you loving me the way Jesus has loved you? Because the truth is, I've got to ask that same question. Am I 
loving you the way Jesus has loved me? Am I loving you the way Jesus has loved me? Not the way I feel, not what I've rationalized, not the way I think you deserve, but am I loving you the way Jesus has loved me? One of the reasons we are so dissatisfied with life and love is because we have shrunk this lifestyle of love down to just I'm hanging out with my best friends, the people who say things that I like and think things that I like and do everything that I like. Those are the people I'm really going to love, but the rest of the world can go to hell in a handbasket. I don't care. And that's why you are mean and bitter and dissatisfied. In fact... When Jesus said that the branch will be withered, I think that's why our soul withers. It's because in this core curriculum of being a follower of Jesus, being a person in this world, we fail to love others the way Jesus has loved us. And truly, it begins with you. See, you're responsible for you. You are responsible for you in how you love. I'm not, I'm not responsible for how you love. I'm responsible for me and how I love. But friends, until that changes in you and in me, we live in a dissatisfied state. Our soul withers. And it's no one's fault but yours. The choice is yours today. You can wither or you can flourish. I pray today that we flourish.